0: Welcome to Skull Stories presented by Cambria, proud to be the official countertop of the Minnesota Vikings. Tonight, we're speaking with former punter and NFL innovator, Darren Bennett. All right, Jay, I know it's been a week, but once again, the cardiac kids were back at it when they walked off on the Panthers in overtime in week six. Cousins, once again, led this team in a gotta-have-it type of way, right? 33 of 48, 373 yards passing, Three TDs, no interceptions, and zero sacks. I think against the Carolina Panthers that had the likes of Hassan Reddick, who had a sack in every game, number two in the league, Brian Burns. Uh, it's pretty impressive. Uh, Derek Brown's also you know good at getting it, at the quarterback, so nice job by our offensive front protecting Cousins. Dalvin Cook back to his old form, a quiet 140 yards rushing and a TD, uh, rushing TD. And then Thielen and Jefferson, oh, a good one-two combination. Thielen, eleven catches for 126 yards, and an, a masterful catch for a touchdown, one of Cousins' better throws. And then Jefferson with eight receptions and 80 yards. And if Cousins had not overthrown him early in that game, that would have been that number would have been well over 100 and a touchdown. So overall, though, the offense 571 yards. A good day for the offense. And the only reason why it's not great are the timeliness of turnovers, penalties, and then some sprinkling, a few missed opportunities. And our offense, I think, still has a lot of upside to it, which is actually kind of kind of crazy. But on the downside, to gave up 306 yards, total uh, 94 on one drive. I mean, that was that was pretty much the game there. They're pros too. They're gonna make some plays, but overall, we have still yet, I think, to put a whole game together. And the Cowboys are coming to town, so you have to clean those up. Hopefully they cleaned them up, you know, with a little bit of time off. And um, you're going to need to fire a bullet on Sunday night against these Cowboys, I'll tell you that. Um, but we'll get into that a little bit more later, a little bit later in the show. So let's get to our special guest of the evening. He's someone that probably doesn't ring a bell when, you know, when named at first, but undoubtedly you have seen his influence on the game. He was a highly decorated member of the San Diego Chargers, and is credited with being the godfather of the Aussie-style punt that you now see all over the league today. Uh, At the tail end of his career, he made his way to Minnesota Vikings, helping us out in a memorable season in 2005. I think you're going to really enjoy this interview with retired punter Darren Bennett. It is my absolute pleasure to bring back one of my, my favorite players, uh, a guy that was on the roster back when I was a linebacker coach here with the Vikings, and that's punter Darren Bennett. So, Darren, just overall, off the top of your head, how how are you doing? How you been? Where you living? What's going on? What's new?
1: Yeah, doing good, Pete. You know, it's um, try to retire, but you never really do, you know? So, we've been <laughs> coaching, coaching punters and kickers, and I and, uh, ended up in Tulsa. My son punted here at, at uh, the University of Tulsa, and so sort of been mentoring guys and coaching punters and kickers here just unofficially uh, for three or four years. We've got a young Australian kid who's gone in behind Tom and he's doing really well. So sort of keeps the toe in the water a bit. And, uh, you know, the adventure went from Minneapolis back to San Diego and now Tulsa Oklahoma.
0: You've, you've covered, you've covered the globe, right? You've gone from Australia um, out to San Diego, which everybody, you know, people out here are saying, it's yeah, a great place to retire Come up to Minnesota for a while, which is where you grow up, not where you retire. And then now you're in Tulsa. So how did, how did that kind of come about?
1: So uh, long story short, Colin Lefler, a uh, long snap at the Vikings, um, had always said to Tom, you've got to play, you're going to play football in Texas. You've got to go to Texas. A, <laughs> he was a, a UT alum. And, and so uh, Tom was being recruited as a punter when he was at high school in uh, Tulsa Canyon in Carlsbad in California. And I called Cullen and I said, hey, Nebraska is looking at Tom. He goes, "The heck, he is. And so he, uh, he made a phone call to Bo Trahan, who was his roommate at, uh, at UT. who okay. was at Baylor University at the time. And so uh, Thomas went there and was the backup punter for a couple of years at Baylor. And then when Coach Montgomery came up here from Baylor and so did Bo, they called him and said, hey, we need a punter at, at Tulsa. Uh, what do you think? Tom goes, Well, I don't know where Pulse is. So we drove up here and he really liked the small school feel. And, you know, Pulse is one of these schools that uh, that really has, you know, a small population, but, you know, sometimes over football wise and has had a couple of good seasons. And there's sometimes where we lose to big schools, but it's a great football program. They run a good program here. And and uh, so he enjoyed his time there. And, um, And now Lachlan Wilson from Melbourne has come in and taken over, and he's doing well too. So I sort of keep keep an eye on those guys and anything they need uh, game-wise and stuff like that, I I can't help as much as I can.
0: Your story now is remarkable, but I, I think you need to go back to the beginning for you. You started as an Australian rules football player, and you played, if I'm not mistaken, from 1982 to 1993 with a squad uh, called East Fremantle. Now, Gabe Henderson sitting next to me, he's a big West Fremantle fan, uh, but you started <laughs> playing, kid. You started playing Australian rules football back when you were 17?
1: Senior year in high school. Yeah. So it's a bit like a major league baseball situation where you come in through the minors and work your way up into the majors. And so I played junior football in Western Australia and then came through and East Fremantle was one of the minor league teams. And then, in 1987, I sort of came up into the majors and, and then had a lot of knee injuries and stuff over my career. But I finished back in Melbourne in 93. And my strength and conditioning coach was a good mate of North Turner's, went to university with him in Oregon and and said, he'd been across the training camps and he goes, look, your knees are so bad, you know, you're probably not running as much as you should, but you can still kick the heck out of the ball. How about we try punting? And so, you know, that was the thing is... is uh, um, it really resurrected my football journey, and had a great time in San Diego, and then also, you know, a brief stint there in Minnesota. But we look back fondly with our time in Minnesota, as uh, you know, we still stay in touch with friends and, and stuff like that. So, anyway, so my strength coach got me a, a tryout uh, with the Chargers, and went and had a pump with those guys. Uh, in 94, I was on practice squad when they went to the Super Bowl and got smashed by the 49ers. Mm. And then I went over and played a season in Amsterdam for in the NFL Europe and got 10 games on film, which, to me, that was the the real sort of career builder because the year before, I felt like I was the best punter at camp, but because I had no game experience, they were sort of a bit hesitant to give me the, the starting job. So, you know... Credit to Bobby Beathard and Bobby Ross and and Mark, and um, wow. Chuck Prefer, who put me on practice squad and really helped me, you know, learn and learn the game. I had no idea what linebackers were, or you know, <laughs> really no right. idea at all. So,
0: you mentioned Coach Prefer. He was he was with yeah. the Detroit Lions for a long, long time. Was he not?
1: Correct. So when wow. Bobby Ross um, finished up at the Chargers and went across to the Lions, Coach Prefer went with him, and they've been together at Georgia Tech. Uh, and then Coach Prefer, I mean, he was, you know, you, you guys had Mike Prefer there, his son, and Mike would come to training camp when he was still in the military and, and sort of intern with his dad and learn the game. So Chuck was a mentor to me. He was a mentor to Mike and to a lot of Stan Kwan, who was a special teams coach in the NFL as well. You know, so Chuck was such a great uh, mentor. And the great thing about Chuck was he's very structured in how he taught, and I had no idea. So he really took me back to the basics. You know, forever thankful for those guys. And lucky for me, I think, you know, Chuck was probably one of the best special teams coaches in the last 30 years in the league. And then obviously, you know, played at San Diego for a while and, and uh, as a free agent, um, Mike Tice decided he wanted a 39-year-old punter and, and brought me <laughs> in. So right. I, I had a great time. You know, I really enjoyed my time at Minnesota. I had a great time. Uh, you know, Morton Anderson came in the second year and Morton was older than me, so that made me feel very <laughs> useful with Morton <laughs> 44 at the time and so it was a great way to finish i didn't like the fact that i got injured my second year because I, I really had committed to two years to play and getting injured in pre was you know not on the books and not on plans but you know we loved our time in minnesota we like i said i still can stay in touch with Keith farwell who's you know special teams coach of the bills and doing a great job and that's awesome and you know Pillay, who was our uh, the all everything assistant there at the Vikings you know i still stay in touch with
0: Sid and Sid vicious
1: you know, down at here in Tulsa
0: so did you is that something that you would you just kind of didn't practice and showed the coaches and showed everybody or is it something that you just went out there one day and said you know what I'm going to give this a shot no one had ever seen it before not even the coaching staff you know and just unveiled unveiled it to the world so to speak
1: well it took a couple of years for it really to you know, for an understanding of what we were trying to do with it. A couple of times when I first got there, you know, it was very windy at training camp. I would hit the drop punt in a punt return situation trying to service the returner. And and Coach Coach Ross would say, you know, are, are you trying to do that? And I'd say, yeah. And he goes, well not hit spirals. You know, you need to work on your spirals. And it, understandable too. I needed to be more consistent and controlled in those. So the first time I really used it was in NFL Europe. But the guys that taught me that punt, but really, you know, my defensive guys, Jimmy Steyo and Leslie O'Neill and stuff, because they were so excited when we put, put a team inside the five because they were so used to watching spirals go into the end zone, for touchbacks and lining up on the 20. So I knew that, you know, as that thing evolved, when I got back from NFL Europe, I tried it in NFL Europe with Al Luganville. He's like, show me any Aussie kick that would work in the game. And I showed him, he goes, oh, heck, yeah, we're going to use that. Game. So that's really where I first used it in a game. And then I would kick it around at practice and guys would realize how accurate we could be with that kick. So, you know, it took a little while, but eventually it it evolved into something we would use in the games. And then we prided ourselves on not hitting touchbacks in that situation. You know, and I think it was under five touchbacks I hit in the seven or eight years that I did that in San Diego because it was so much fun to watch our guys. I think we had some safeties and sacks and all sorts of stuff. Uh, because were of that on the three right? yard line and, you know, feeding off that, that energy that it created. So that's when I knew that it was going to work in a game and when how excited the defense was.
0: Skull Stories is presented all season long by Cambria, proud to be the official countertop of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll be back with more Skull Stories right after this. It's football season at Mystic Lake with Vikings Drawings. Enter casino and digital drawings for prizes like season tickets, away game trips, and an ice castle fish house. Get details and enter now at mysticlake.com slash Vikings. Now let's get back into our conversation with Darren Bennett. As you leave and you, you get older, you look back and say, D- you know, what impact did, did I have? You changed the NFL. Did you ever think about that? You changed this game.
1: No, Well, so no, I don't. And some people say I messed up hunting by bringing the punt in, you know, because there's, there's the purists that like that pretty pretty 37-yard fair catch style that looks really pretty but doesn't go anywhere. So, <laughs> you know, we look at the, the way it's used in college football nowadays, you know, with, with the amount of guys that can cover, there's so many different uses for that kick in the game. You know, guys that I never kicked it on a full-length field, whereas a lot of guys are using it as a misdirection punt now. They're trying to get the ball on the ground away from the returner. They're really playing keep things off. And so, you know, I take a lot of pride when I see even high school kids, college kids and in the pros hit wow. that rock punt and know, you know, that it, it really has changed the way punting, you know, is, is used as a weapon in the game. So, you know, it's a lot of fun to watch. It's a lot of fun to teach. I've taught it to a lot of guys over the years and, and, uh, to watch those guys put put that as we call it another ba- a club in the bag, you know, it's like in, in a, a golf analogy. So yeah, many clubs you can have in your bag, <laughs> the, the more valuable you are for a team.
0: I mean, not only that that part of the game, but you also covered your punts. Do you remember any big hits or uh, remember getting any flack from that about that from your coaches?
1: Uh, never from my, my coach. It was from the other thing I did. I, <laughs> I broke a couple of noses. So, so the the only flack I ever got was when I first started with Chuck Prefer, I was still really sort of in Australian rules shape. And I was I, I would say I was at maybe linebacker speed, you know. So I had no idea what a, what an aggressive safety was supposed to be. I just punted the ball and took off. And so I think it was probably my first year Chuck called me up and he goes, you realize you're not supposed to be down there with everyone else, right? I'm like, why? <laughs> as you get older you realize playing safety is not a bad position on pump no it was something that i learned and and uh but yeah i made a couple of tackles and i had one in my first year that a lot of people know i closed minded guy my what i call my my only real football play was i i slammed a defensive lineman who was on pump team and caused a fumble against uh, philadelphia and so i'm like you know but uh, June Jones was our interim head coach. He must have shown that thing ten times on film. He's like, <laughs> That's our punters, and I'm like, yeah, I was so proud of it. So you know, but, yeah, I think a lot of the a lot of the times when punters get aggressive on on tackles, is you're so upset because it was a pretty good punt, and you're upset that it's a big return. So you try and take that aggression and put it through a returner if you possibly can. And if you have to do it twice or three times a year, then it's your, your obligation to go do that.
0: So we'll transition a little bit to to now before you're talking about Heath Farwell and in coming up, he's going to be wearing some Mike cause cleats um, with your son, William's name on it. Um, tell Can you tell the listeners just a little bit about that?
1: In my time in San Diego and, and also in, um, in Minnesota, uh, you know, we did some charity stuff for the NBA and for a, a group called Parent Project Muscular Dystrophy in Cincinnati. And, My oldest son, William, had muscular dystrophy. And unfortunately, we lost him about seven weeks ago. And, you know, he was a a great kid. And and so when he went to La Costa Canyon High School, the head coach there, Sean Sovacol, who's the son of a lieutenant colonel in the Marines, came up and said, I heard you're a heck of a coach, Will. And he said, and he was so nervous even talking to the head coach. So long story short, Sean made him a coach on the football team for his whole high school career. And he's coached... You know, he's coached all the way through special special teams-wise. He's coached guys right up to Matt McRae, all pros. He was a real um, technical brain. You know, what he lost in the ability to run around, he made up with with a photographic memory. And so, you know, one of the stories about Will was when Matt McRae got injured at Dallas and he he had a problem with uh, nerves in his foot, he asked me to bring Will in to tell him how he was punting differently post the surgery as he was pre and will had three different things in his technique that Matt was doing that had adjusted and it got in another few years in the NFL because of that. So, wow. You know, Will was tremendous. Um, and, and where he really learned that he could coach was the time in Minnesota where we were at Mankato and Doug Blevins was there and Doug went up to Will and he said, don't ever think, let anyone tell you you can't coach out of that wheelchair. Wow. And it really inspired Will to be a coach and Will had a coach's mind as well you know so that little conversation he had with Doug really really set him on a track to be uh and so when he was at La Costa Canyon they called him LCC Coach B and that was his nickname and that's his real persona was LCC Coach B so he's far well knows him from his time you know his time there at the Vikings with us and Pete, would, Pete and Cullen would come over for dinner on a Thursday night with Morton and, and Rosemary would cook a dinner for them and so He's known Will since, you know, since he first came in the league. So he's been so nice and he put Will's name on a call sheet in the preseason game after Will passed. And he's going to, he's going to put Will's name on his shoes for the My Coach, Mike Cause, um, which I think is week 13 of the NFL, which, you know, it's a great way to, for he to honor Will. And we really appreciate the thoughts and, and the fact that, you know, he, the cause will be hopefully, um, you know, get a bit of publicity during the game, but, you know, it's it's just tremendous to know that people were affected by Will and and uh, you
0: know in a positive way. Uh, I mean, that's that's a, that's amazing. It's uh, it it's a matter of a legacy, right? And we talked about yours, and your son William has left one, you know, as well. It, it's just an amazing yeah. um, inspiration to for everyone that's out there. It's not your circumstances; it's your will. We
1: always used to say that uh, you know, we've had probably over a hundred guys stay with us since we retired. And starting with Matt McBride, you know, if Matt was he went, he stayed with us before he went to Hawaii. But we always said they come and learn pumping from me. They get to pump with Thomas, my son. Uh, they they learn life from Will, and then they stay for Rosemary's food because she's a tremendous <laughs> cook. So you know, right right after Will passed. As Sid came down to pass on his condolences and
0: we're like, oh, and it was so nice to see him. It really was. Yes. Yeah, so he's, Sid he is one. I guy. He is one of a kind, my man. He is one of a kind.
1: Uh, he's really stayed in touch
0: over the years. That's awesome. Thank, Abe, thank you so much for your time. And like I said. Yeah,
1: no worries, Pete. It's good to chat to you, mate. Yeah. Is. And, uh, and
0: keep in touch with Tom. Right. Keep in touch with Tom. Don't yeah. lose his number. Um, take care. And uh, hey, hopefully, I, you, mate, all yeah. The for the year, and thank you. Say hi to Jordan for me. I will, I will. I'll say hi to take everybody. Care. All right, take care. Cool. Well, it was great talking to Darren Bennett tonight. I look forward to getting him out here to see all of the changes that have happened over the last sixteen years. No question about that. All right, Jay, let's take a look at the our Northern Tool and Equipment keys to success. Northern Tool and Equipment brings the power with top brands like Milwaukee Steel. Lincoln Electric, Honda, and more. Northern Tool and Equipment, quality tools for serious work. Now, we are just over a third of the way through the season. Dallas is coming to town. And, of course, this is a Sunday night game. And it's that it's a Dallas Cowboys. So you got the you know the whatever, the, all the other things that come with it. Um, and the big names, obviously, Dak Prescott, uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, you know, you have Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and – don't forget about Randy Gregory because this guy could. Ru- <laughs> Let me tell you something. That guy can ruin your night very, very quickly. One of the most dynamic defensive ends that you know that we've seen. But again, if the Vikings can put this thing together as a as a as a team, um, you're, and you're going to need it. But life is going to be a lot better, and you're going to have a chance, especially with the schedule that you see coming up.
2: And you get to do it from home. That's the other nice thing is it's not necessarily you're going. You're not going on the road. You're you're being able to stay home, after the bye week, and and walk into a building that's going to be favorable for you for the fans. I know cowboy fans tend to travel really really well, especially whenever they play at US Bank Stadium, but. I think that um, all of these things that are the creature comforts and the, the things that are stacking up for this team, if they want to be taken seriously, these next six games are going to be super critical. One hundred percent. Yeah, you come out of the bye
0: with a five hundred record, and you start it back up on Sunday night, Halloween night. Oh my heavens, there are going to be some freaks in the stands, boy. I tell you that it's well, it kind of looks like Halloween every every Sunday at US Bank Stadium, but this one's going to be. This one's going to be interesting. It's it's going to be a fun day, right? Just what a great day. You wake up and you get you know maybe get to sleep in a little bit and get out there. Maybe do your trick or treating and and wrap that all up. Put the kiddies to bed. Take Monday off of work and away you go.
2: I was going to say Zim is going to be wanting the fans to be doing a (laughs) pregame trick or treat on their own with. uh, with some uh, special barley pops at times. But uh, yes, Ah, I I, I think, uh, I see how that works. I think they're going to enjoy this one. And and it's, I mean, it's the Cowboys. We, we love playing the Cowboys with all the history for all the years. And I think it being Halloween night, I'm going to be enjoying the people watching.
0: I don't think that um, you have to worry one bit about the noise factor. It's going to be, it's going to be loud. It's going to be crazy. The fans are going to be in it. That's why this, that win against Carolina coming out of the bye was so huge. So, Once again, this game is a Sunday night Halloween festival, 720 kickoff down at U.S. Bank Stadium. Man, there's going to be a lot of Halloween cliches flying around on this broadcast. But if you can't be at the game, be sure to join Paul Allen, Ben Lieber, Mike Musman, Greg Coleman, and myself on the KFAN pregame show and broadcast all across the Vikings radio network. Thank you again for joining us for another episode of Skull Stories presented by Cambria. Proud to be the official countertop of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see you all again next week.